Welcome everybody back into the CC Podcast. It is the morning of Wednesday, September 13th. Mike Rutherford here in sunny and lovely Louisville, Kentucky. Dan Snard in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Dan, back from a golf trip last weekend. Big birthday week for the Snards. Uh, your wife's birthday yesterday. Your oldest uh, son birthday this weekend. How you holding up? We are doing good. It is nice uh, to actually be back in Columbus. Um, yeah, we had a great time on the golf trip. We missed you this year. Our team did not win, um, which was a little bit of a disappointment. Um, yeah, I mean, playing 36 holes on, on Friday and then 36 holes on Saturday, the, uh, the body doesn't hold up quite <laughs> like it used to. Um, but overall, besides a little bit of rain we got, it was a, it was a fun time. Um, it was nice to see the cards come out and get a win. And then, yeah, it's birthday week this week. My wife's was yesterday. Happy birthday, my wife. And then my son's is this weekend. He's renting out uh, an indoor soccer field. Nice. Uh, so that's where we're at in our lives. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it'll, uh, it'll be a fun-filled weekend. And I'm actually glad I can, like, be in a spot where I can hopefully, you know, watch college football at home and, and kind of take it all in. I was I texted Kim happy birthday yesterday, and she said all she wanted was a birthday shout out of the pod. And I said I think I'm gonna have to remember because I don't know if Danny's going to. And look at you, <laughs> it's already it's already happened. We made it happen in the first minute. Wow, she's gonna be actually pleasantly surprised if she actually turns on the podcast for the first <laughs> time in her life. <laughs> we love you, Kim. Um, yeah. Before we we talk, we're gonna talk obviously about last week's game against Murray State. We'll look ahead to this weekend's game against Indiana and also the scheduling news that Indiana has made this week. And then we'll take some questions from you guys on Twitter. Before we do any of that, I want to remind you guys the podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel bringing you the best designs, the best gear in college sports. Over 150 schools to choose from, including the Fighting Cardinals of Louisville. They've got new UofL gear coming out soon. Keep an eye out for that. If you need some gear for football season or the upcoming basketball season, now is the time to make that purchase. Go to homefieldapparel.com to see all their selection of college apparel. You can also follow them on their social media channels. It's at homefieldapparel without an E on Twitter and normal uh, at homefieldapparel on Instagram. And when you make your first purchase from Homefield Apparel, remember to use our promo code CHRONICLE15 at checkout. CHRONICLE15, all one word, that's going to save you 15% off that first purchase. All right, Dan, being down there in Myrtle Beach with a you know, group of guys getting ready to play some golf, I know the Thursday viewing experience couldn't have been ideal, but you did get to watch the game against Murray State. We did. We, we were at a place that uh, was actually called Putter's Pub, um, which was kind of <laughs> uh, fitting for the name being right at this little golf resort we were at. But we, we had the game on. I mean, obviously, it's like shout-out Lions. Lions, Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, I know. Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I don't want to talk about NFL. But anyways, um, yeah, so both games were going on at the same time. Obviously, I was watching cards. And there was actually, uh, believe it or not, there was like a uh, another golf trip there from Kentucky. And there was probably like five or six, uh, I, I wish I remember their name, but five or six cards fans. One of their sons was on the UofL golf team. Um, so nice. that was pretty cool. But, yeah, I mean, we definitely watched it. The second half, uh, you know, we uh, – our eyes kind of started to drift away once it was a blowout but um yeah i mean it's murray state you won 56 nothing that it you know if you're upset about something you're you're looking very hard to be upset about something is there stuff we can work on yeah but um for the most part it was exactly what the doctor ordered 
Did you guys want to have like a golf trip beef, like just rivals with those guys? <laughs> Actually, I mean, they were, so I think they were like, a lot of them were from like Paducah. So there was some Cats fans mixed in there, but um, they were all very cordial, very nice. And then like when we looked over, we're like, that's going to be us in 30 years. They were ordering like red wine. We we're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Like I actually did that on the golf trip like two years ago. Whatever. So. <laughs> I, I remember. <laughs> I looked over. I was like, "Is this a fucking joke?" Yeah, I know. <laughs> Everyone like, else I is mean, like, "I like a glass of cab after I play 18." It's, sue me. <laughs> it was. I mean, people are like, you know, people are already kind of drunk. People are tired. Everyone's got a cocktail or like a beer or some both, and you've got this just nice cab sitting there <laughs> at the golf club resort. Uh, it was. Yeah, it was. It was quite the moment. It was like, lovely. It was. You were just taking it all in. Uh, <laughs> Louisville, they take care of business. I think that's the best phrase to use. Beating Murray State 56 nothing. I'll be honest. So, so we talked about the game on, on my radio show on Friday. And we did, I think the prevailing theme was taking care of business, you know, doing what they, what they needed to do. But there was some nitpicky stuff. And, and that was both from me and from the people who text into the show. I think I feel better about this game after watching some of the football that happened on Saturday, you know, I mean, namely, seeing UK struggle with EKU, who yeah. had just lost by a billion to Cincinnati, seeing Tennessee struggle a little bit uh, in, in their game, seeing um, a, a couple of other teams against FCS opponents not look as good as we did. I, I do think there are some things to nitpick. We'll get there a little bit later. The big things, uh, one, I, I thought, at least in the short and the intermediary passing game, Jack Plummer looked better. He was making quicker decisions. The ball was getting out faster. The ball was getting there accurately. And he was letting his playmakers do what they're supposed to do. You know, get the ball in Jamari Thrash's hands. Let him take 170 yards to the house. You know, get Kevin Coleman out there. Get some more guys, some experience. All that good stuff. Um, Two, the running game, I I think, is going to be the backbone of this offense once we move into the the more difficult portion of the schedule. I mean, Jawar Jordan is an absolute game-breaker. Um, he has the, another, what he has, I think two plays of 70 yards or more in that game. He has a third play. That's like a 65 yard touchdown that gets called back because of a a holding call, which was probably his best run of the game. He leads the country in in yards per carry. He's averaging like 18 yards per carry right now because he's only rushed it. I think 13 times uh, in two games, but has put up gaudy numbers. Um, Isaac Garendo looks good. Uh, Maurice Turner did not play in this game. We'll see how he fares when he comes back. The, the third thing, and this is where I want you to jump in, this is the wildest stat that I've seen from a Louisville game in a long, long time. Everyone is focused on the fact that we played nine quarterbacks in this game. Nine quarterbacks saw the field for Louisville against Murray State. We had five quarterbacks complete passes. We've never had a season in the history of Louisville football where five quarterbacks have completed passes. We did it in one game. Uh, that, to me, is, is batshit crazy. We'd only had three three seasons where four quarterbacks had completed uh, at least one pass. Most recently, that was in 2018. But Jeff Brom, I, I think getting all these guys, not just a quarterback, but I think we played 78 total players, getting all these guys game time experience, you may say it doesn't really matter that much. We're going to have guys that get hurt. We, we already had four guys out in this game that were relatively key contributors. We're going to have more guys as the season goes on. Having a player who's not making his collegiate debut or not making his Louisville debut, who's had the experience of running out there on the field at LNN Stadium, who's you know had some like that's 
that matters. It's not something that you just roll your eyes out. Even if it was in mop-up time in the third or fourth quarter, that gets some jitters out. You're not feeling nearly as shaky the next time you have to do it. And some of those guys are going to have to play bigger roles for us as the season goes along. So I'm with you in saying like the, the overwhelming theme of this game was positive. We, we did what we had to do. We got guys some playing time. Uh, some guys looked good. They got late game playing experience. And, you know, for the most part, I don't think we had any key injuries or anything like that. So you did what you had to do. We move on. And now it's Indiana time. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with the, I mean, being relatively, I know we've had some guys out, like, I mean, obviously the Griffin injury before the year, but we, we've pretty much kind of escaped major injury the first two games. And that's always, a, a, in my opinion, a, a key to the season. Like, I mean, there's some seasons that whether you're good or not can just be derailed by some of your guys going down and knock on wood. You know, we've been healthy in that department. I mean, I guess the the big takeaway for me is we have two and a, you can say two and a half or three but i mean jawar jordan jamari thrash and i think kevin coleman I, I i think we have like three absolute bona fide playmakers where yeah i mean we just got to get the ball in these guys hands and it, you know whether you're being you know held down all game these guys can absolutely break one at any moment and that's very refreshing to see yes we have other you know options there on on offense but I, I just like you know yes can jack's deep ball be more accurate yeah are we gonna need it in a couple games i'm sure we're going to but you know for the most part i, I just hope jeff and brian like can s- kind of stay stubborn with the run i know they like to toss you know toss the rock around and obviously we're gonna have to get jamari and um those guys their touches but Jeez, I just love turning around and be able to hand the ball off to Jawar because he's a home run anytime. And then Garendo looks great. You know, geez, uh, Kiwan Brown looked yeah. unbelievable. Like, you know, and I'm sure Maurice Turner is going to be great, you know, once he's healthy. So we're going to be pretty uh, okay in the running back room for a while. So, um, yeah, I mean, really, I, the only thing I guess for me, two things I'm worried about going forward one you touched on it kind of you know how how Jack Plummer kind of evolves with accuracy and deep ball and things of that nature and then two um and this is really nitpicking because you know they did fine on Friday I I still worry about that defensive line especially uh, against a team with a good ground attack there was times where it looked like Murray State was getting a little bit of a push there um and then obviously we saw what happened in the second quarter against georgia tech when we got gashed there so um i guess those are my two kind of things i'm looking at going forward but all in all it was a great night it was you know that experience for those quarterbacks and you know a guy like joey gatewood who that i mean we'll get to that but that's invaluable and something that we'll probably lean on you know going into the season I'm with you on Kiwa Brown. I think that he looked like a guy who's going to be a stud for us. And I think maybe it's because we lost Ruben Owens, who was the number one recruiting uh, rated recruit at running back in the country. But we sort of just glossed over Kiwa Brown when the reality is in most years he would have been like the guy that we're the most excited about. He was a very – he's like the fourth or fifth – Highest rated running back we've ever landed, so he was a big deal, and he looked like the the, the real deal on Saturday, on Thursday night against Murray State. I was excited about the way that he played. 
for anyone who was wondering, I mean, I was very curious about the order we were going to see the quarterbacks in. And it was, you know, Plummer, then Brock Doman, who, who led a couple of drives. Then Evan Conley was third, who led a, a scoring drive without throwing a pass. And then Harrison Bailey, I, I thought would be third. He was fourth. They did let him throw it a little bit. He, he was the one who threw the, the touchdown to Joey Gatewood. Also missed a wide open Joey Gatewood a couple of plays before. And then they went to um, uh, Pierce Clarkson, who got a nice ovation, came out through, uh, completed his only pass attempt. And then it was the it was Brady Allen, and then the walk-ons. Uh, they started they started changing up the walk-ons um, every play, which was kind of interesting to see. You know, Sam Young, uh, Ball, and then Travis Egan, the, the reigning Kentucky Mister Football from Bullet East, all got some run there, which was cool. Uh, I, I love seeing. I think I think it's Young who has the big hair. Like seeing him like take off the yellow jersey to, to, to funnel yeah. the signs and, and throw the helmet on that gigantic hair. It was just it, it was it was that was pretty wild to see. Um, also, Mario Asian, if you've watched the the BS High, the biography on Bishop Sycamore, the documentary that was on HBO a few weeks ago, he's in that documentary. He played at Bishop Sycamore. It was cool to see him get in and get a carry late in the game. So it was just yeah, a, a lot of good things. The the nitpicky stuff, you, you've, you've touched on both of mine, like my two biggest ones. One, I, I think it's the Jack Plummer deep ball. I'm concerned. By one, I, th- I think he's late with the throws. You've got guys that are open. He's just not seeing them quickly enough. Two, he's kind of uh, – the, the best description that I've seen is somebody tweeted that Jack Plummer needs to press down on the button instead of just tapping it. It feels like he's playing a video game, and he's just not driving the ball in there. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just way too much float. There's way too much air uh, underneath the passes. That's what got the one interception that he threw. Uh, it, it's, it's what caused that pick. Uh, the kid made a great play, but still, the ball was underthrown. Those plays were there on Thursday night, and it didn't matter against Murray State, but it's going to matter against pretty much everybody else from this point forward because there are going to be multiple games, I think, between now and the end of the season where his ability to hit on those five or six open deep throws that we have are going to be the difference between winning and losing. We got a There was a terrible non-pass interference call early in the game and then I thought we got benefited by a couple of pass interference calls that really weren't there uh, a little bit after that but on all those throws he had guys open and just did not get them uh, did not get the ball there in time so it's got to be one of two things for him either he needs to recognize when the guy's open and and release the ball quicker or he's just got to put more on these passes because they're just they're just not getting there in time and it's a concern yeah that that interception uh, like you said, he, he did kind of loft that. I thought the guy made a great play though. Um, you know, so credit to him, but I'm with you. It just looks like there's still a little bit of, uh, tentativeness, uh, you know, when he, when he's going downfield. But I think as we go through the season, um, and especially a game like Murray, I'm, I'm guessing we probably didn't show much. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's probably a bunch of wrinkles that we can go to where we can get guys running a little more wide open. Um, so I, I think we'll learn what Jack likes, what he doesn't like. And I think Jeff and Brian will kind of lean on that a little bit. But um, I'm with you that, that, you know, just watching him, it, it always he kind of leaves me just wanting a little bit more, um, you know, like the throw to Jamari on the slant. Like when he threw it, I was like, "Geez, that's you know." I thought I got picked. Like, yeah, so did I. I was like, "Jesus!" But um, you know, credit to him, he put it right on the money, and then obviously Jamari did the rest. But uh, you know, 
I, I guess I feel myself being a little too hard on him, I guess. I don't know. I just feel like I, I'm wanting a little bit more from him, and it feels like it's in there. Um, but I don't think we've seen it yet. If you think you're being a little too hard on him, I mean, I, I hope Jack's not reading social media because it's, it's all I see is, like, plumber. Like, we, he's got to be better. And I, I, I agree. Uh, he's not been terrible. But I, right. I, th- yeah, he's I think been... that we just we all see that there are tougher opponents coming, and he's going to have to be like, – these little things that we're talking about are going to have to get cleaned up. Uh, I, it, let me t- say one. I think our fan base is so used to, if things break down in the pocket, like having a quarterback that can – like, all right, if you're not going to throw it, like, you know, take off and get 10, 15 yards. And, like, we've so, we've been so accustomed to that that we're like, all right, if this guy's not going to do it, he needs to be 100% accurate all the time. Um, and, of course, that's what you want from your quarterback. Uh, and right now that's not the case, and I think it's, you know, kind of driving the fan base a little bit crazy. But, you know, it's early. Like I said, I, I think we'll – We'll show more and, and, and kind of do some more stuff that, that Jack likes later on in the season. But, you know, time will tell. I'm, I'm still okay with where he's at right now. Um, but I think this Indiana game will, will tell a lot because I think their defense is going to be pretty stout. Well, let's just, I mean, let's just call it what it is. If you're a Louisville fan listening to this, it doesn't matter how old you are. You've been spoiled by quarterback play here. I mean, yes. our entire lives. Again, if you're 60 listening to this, if you're 20 listening to this, we've been spoiled by, you know, I mean, Browning Nagel, Jeff Brom, Chris Redmond, uh, Stefan LaFors, uh, Brian Brom, Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar Jackson. Like, it, it's just been dude after dude after dude who can either get it done with his legs, get it done with his arm, or both. And so when we see a guy that's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's good, he's not great. There's more criticism here than there probably is or would be at other programs that have not been so spoiled by their quarterback play. Um, I'm with you also on the the defensive front seven being a little bit underwhelmed by the way that they played at least in the first half against Murray State. The subs actually dominated. Like like when the, when we started going to like our second and third teams um, and, and Murray State, they started subbing a little bit later than we did. But our our second and third teams were really good against the run. But there were way too many times in the first. Qu- two and a half quarters where Murray State lined up and just went right at us with a, a clear run and got five, six, seven yards. Like that was, I know on paper, it looks like, I think they gained like 2.9 yards per carry. They rushed for fewer than a hundred yards and we shut them out. But there were a handful of drives where they had a, a good thing going. And then a dude fumbles a jet sweep or, you know, the quarterback just misses a wide open guy downfield. Like there were definitely several defensive lapses that I, I, thought were a little bit concerning but again you look around the country you're seeing that from from other fbs teams as well that are playing you know their by game so it's not a hugely concerning thing but it definitely was something that i was like this has got to have to be better for virtually every week after this because we can't you know murray state should not be just running it right at us and picking up six seven yards outside of that um i mean the penalties again were they popped up and it made things look a little bit disjointed at times it wasn't quite as, I guess the word is crisp. It wasn't quite as crisp as any of us would have liked. But those were my three things. Those are my three nitpicky, nitpicky stuff. The the deep ball from Plummer, the defensive line not being quite as dominant as I would have liked, and then the penalties. I think that it was it was kind of similar to the Georgia Tech game when it came to primary concerns coming out, coming away from it. No, 100%. Um, yeah, as far as like the defensive line, I don't know. I know like on third downs, you know, we mix it up. Sometimes we rush three, sometimes we rush four, sometimes we, 
you know, we bring more pressure just with like what we have on the outside with, with Brownlee and Riley, like I am all for bringing as much pressure as possible on third down. Cause um, we didn't seem to be really getting anywhere with, with, with bringing three and bringing four, if I'm remembering correctly. But um, I, I trust those guys on the outside to be able to hold their own for, you know, however long. So um, I, I'm looking for that more as we go into the season. But I'm with you. Just from, from watching the game, I was like, geez, some of these runs are getting seven, eight yards a pop. And they it, it's nice early on that we – I mean, was their quarterback great by any means? No. But he was like an athletic kid. Um, he was kind of completely different from what we saw from Georgia Tech. So it's nice to kind of go up against both styles of quarterbacks early on in the season because I'm sure we're going to face some of those later on. Um, but again, 56 nothing. Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. One, one kind of bright spot so far for the f- first two games that we didn't talk about going into the season. I, I think the special teams has been phenomenal. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like it's been great. Um, you know, I have nothing bad to say there. I feel like there's sometimes some years you have punt returners where like you're like, just catch it, just catch it, just catch it. Like with Coleman, I feel I'm like, hey, he's gonna catch it. Like, um, like I'm a hundred percent positive. Uh, you know, now it's up for him to make a play if he can. So that's that's always a nice feeling to have. You just guaranteed one Kevin Coleman muff pump against him. I like, know. like I can already see it. Like, here we go. <laughs> We're going to get flooded with mentions on Twitter Saturday afternoon where it's like, God damn it, Danny. Like, like Kelman just muffs a huge butt late in the fourth quarter. Uh, James Quick against Virginia style. Like, that was the third week uh, of that season, too. Uh, but I, I've been with you. Like, the special teams have been great. We're not getting, like, a, a ton of dynamic returns, but we are. We're, we're catching the ball. We're advancing it when we can. And then Brock Travelstead has been rock solid. Didn't have a field goal attempt against Murray, but he's, you know, it was a perfect three for three against Georgia Tech. Has not missed an extra point. It's been it's looked solid, and that's all you can ask for. So I'm good there. Uh, we're going to talk about Indiana in a little bit, but we asked for some questions from you guys on Twitter. We're going to t- take some of those, and then we'll get into the IU talk at the end of the pod. Um, let's see here. Uh, Josh says, after watching us play two games, do you feel better or worse about our toss-up games for the rest of the season? I'll let you go first, Tim. This one's tough. I, I feel like I don't have enough data yet to really make that call um like before the season i i you know like i said i i predicted an iu loss kind of as like one of those fluky losses um but now as i look at the game i'm actually i know i think we're like started out at 10 i think we're nine point favorites um but i'm pretty i would say i feel a little bit better just because of the playmakers we have on offense for that reason alone, I think it might win us one or two games that maybe are nip and tuck there. But I'll go with I feel better in the toss-up just with what I've seen on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to give the coward's answer and say I feel kind of the same. Like I, I think yeah. that it's – Plummer is about what I thought he would be. The The playmakers we have around him are better than I thought they were going to be. And the defense, I think there's still a little bit like, – Obviously, the second quarter against Georgia Tech stands out and makes you a little bit concerned. But besides that, they've been pretty good. Um, so I, I, I kind of feel I've I called for an 8-4 and four season. I'm still kind of thinking that that's the most likely uh, scenario. I think maybe the difference is 
the schedule now, I think the first half of the schedule after watching some of these teams play looks maybe a little bit easier than we were thinking. And the second half looks maybe a little bit tougher. Um, as I say that Virginia, Virginia and Virginia Tech have both looked pretty bad the first couple of weeks. Uh, NC State has not looked great. BC has looked woeful. But Duke looks better than we thought they were going to be. Miami just blasted Texas A&M. They look a little bit tougher than maybe we thought they were going to be. And I think Notre Dame has, you know, we knew they were good, but they've looked maybe even better than we thought they were going to be. So it's, I don't, you know, I, I feel better about some games. I feel worse about some games. We have, I mean, Pitt now just lost to Cincinnati at home, which makes, Jeez. I mean, it just, it just annoys me. That I, 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 I feel like we're going to run this risk of, of Cincinnati like having this overachieving season that reminds us of our first season with Satterfield and all these national dudes are going to write the, like, I hope you glad what you got what you wish for, Louisville fans. Like, all this shit. And I'm just not going to – I don't want to take it. I don't want to I mean, you it. know, all my extended family, like, cousins and stuff, like, are from Cincinnati. A lot of them went to UC. So I spent, like, all off season like, thank you very much. Oh, man, <laughs> you just wait. Third and 12 quarterback draws. Here you come. And – Next thing you know, like, I'm getting text Saturday. It's like, this guy's better than Nick Saban. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, I, I, I have that to deal with. But that was a, that was a result I, I did not expect because he, he, he struggled with Pitt when he was here. So, maybe he walked into some decent personnel. I mean, I'm not going to badmouth the guy, but um, that was a shocking result to me. They've got some playmakers. They they still they really struggled in the fourth quarter. The the difference in the yeah. game was Phil Dracovich, the Boston College transfer to Pitt, just could not hit an open man to save his life. I, I think he finished ten of thirty two. One of the worst games I think a quarterback has played from the ACC in recent memory. And he got booed by Pitt fans, and then he called them pathetic after the game. So, yeah, things are going great up there with Pat Narduzzi and, and Pitt. Maybe that yes. game will be a little bit easier than we were thinking. Yeah, that'd be nice. Josh says uh, QB situation after this year. Do you think Brom would prefer a pocket passer or more of a dual threat quarterback with his scheme and how college uh, the college football landscape has changed? Um, Jeff, plugging my own radio show again here. Jeff, the first time he came on the radio show a few months ago, he said straight up, like, I, in an ideal world, I'd love to have a dual threat guy. Uh, he said, you know, that's kind of that's who we were recruiting. He's like, we will we will cater our system to fit the the skills of our quarterback. But he said, like. I kind of considered myself a dual threat quarterback back in the day. He was a very fast quarterback. He was uh, like loved to make plays with his feet. And he's like, those are the kind of the guys that I like coaching the most. So I do think ideally he'd like to have a dual threat quarterback, but he hasn't really had many of those as a head coach. And he doesn't have many of them right now. Clarkson being the obvious, obvious, obvious exception, but I mean, we'll see the way he recruits. Deuce Adams coming in next year can move a little bit, but he's certainly more of a pocket passer than he is a dual-threat guy. But I'm, I am curious to see the way that they recruit the quarterback position moving forward just based on those comments. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jeff values a, a couple things before legs. I think he values commanding the offense, and I think he values accuracy. I think those are kind of the two things he looks for. And then I think as a bonus, he looks – probably you know i think he would want someone that could make plays with their legs if stuff breaks down in the pocket um i was completely wrong on deuce when i just heard you say that i thought he was more of a dual threat guy but i haven't watched enough tape on him but by the way it sounds like he's like off to a really nice start down there in texas from everything i'm reading on online so uh it sounds like he might be a good get so yeah i uh 
I'm interested to see kind of as things progress forward in the Jeff Brom tenure, what kind of quarterbacks that he leans on. Um, but that's an interesting answer that he gave. Yeah, I mean, Adams, he, he's listed as a pro-style quarterback. He definitely can move a, a little bit. And I I mean, I'll tell you, I think I said it on the podcast this summer, like I, I can tell you for a fact the staff thinks he's really good. Like, like they're very, very excited about Deuce Adams coming in here. They think he could be a big-time deal for them. Uh, they also think he's probably going to rise in the recruiting rankings this season as he gets more eyeballs on him. But they're – they're very pumped to have him. I think he year. transferred schools down in Texas. I was reading, this is just me going off Twitter comments. It, it, it sounds like he's getting more eyeballs from the local schools. So I expect uh, maybe, you know, the Texases and the Texas A&M to, to try to make a late push for this guy. I can see that. I mean, he already had, he did have offers from, like, he picked Baylor. Uh, Baylor was like his, the school that was the runner up pretty much uh when he committed to us so if those schools got involved late i can see that happening but i mean also you know texas you, you got quinn ewers and you got arch manning like let us fucking have deuce adams back, yeah, back, back up we're good 100 yeah, percent. chase says could danny top trevor uh, on his act score so trevor my, my radio show producer for anybody who doesn't listen to the show we did have him take the act this past weekend which was hilarious trevor's a, a 43 year old uh man who um, did, did not finish high school. He got he got his GED. He didn't. He never actually took the ACT. He took. He tried to take it one time when he was twenty three, and he's going to college late. And I think he he left at the break and went out and got high and, and did not make it back into the test. So we had him write that wrong and take the ACT on Saturday. And based on him describing the test, I think that Dan Dan will do better on the ACT than Trevor his score is going to wind up being although maybe trevor's just a savant he's going to get a 34 yeah i don't know i i saw some of the the pictures and stuff like that i i gotta i gotta hang out with trevor this guy looks like a a ball of fun the uh the golf swing video alone (laughs) i I watched maybe 30 times like i don't know how, how he like pivoted his left foot just as his hips cleared um i i i kind of analyzed the swing but no that's hilarious that he did that um yeah, I would. Uh, I would actually be interested to see what I get on the ACT as well um, now versus when I was sixteen. But I would hope that uh, you know things would would go in my favor there. I would definitely do worse on the ACT now than I did then. You okay. think? Yeah, yes. you're probably right. There's so much just like garbage, like geometry and all that that you know probably we're never gonna have use for. I mean, you and I were not math whizzes back in our, in our teenage years, this but is I, true. I think we knew at least a little bit more about some of the, like, you know, we took geometry, we took algebra too, we took some of these classes. Like I, I've been reduced to just knowing basic addition, subtraction, and multiplication tables at this point. I couldn't tell you any other math stuff at, at, at 39 years old now. Yeah, I feel like I would like get through two questions. I'd be like, "Why am I even doing this?" That's like, that's what I said. And that's what I was worried Trevor was going to, to do. I was worried he's gonna be like, "What? This is fucking ridiculous." This is the, like that's what I would do. I'm not gonna put in this effort. I'm not gonna read all this stuff. I'm I'm done here. Yeah. Uh, our guy Carito says, "How many games will it take for Plummer to adjust his throws on the long ball?" Hopefully two. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. hopefully it's gonna be better on Saturday. Yeah, I I mean. This is an Indiana team that held Ohio State to twenty three points. Yeah, um, you know we're we're gonna have to strap in. I think I I'm expecting kind of a dog fight. I'm too. Um, so, it, you know, we'll see what happens. But 
I think uh, Jack's going to have to have, I think, his best game out of the three if we want to win this. Uh, Dan says, was I the only one that noticed Jawar Jordan was wide open when Plummer threw that first pick? Do you think it will benefit Plummer that a team gets a little more pressure on him to get the ball out quicker? Maybe. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, I think that he is – like, that's the thing with this offense. Again, if you know where the ball is supposed to be on these little quick hitters and when guys are going to be open and you're able to get the ball to them accurately, like, we've got the, – the, the feed the studs mentality is back. we got playmakers yeah. all over the field. You mentioned, you know, Thrash and Coleman and Jordan, and those, I agree, are the three biggest. But Chris Bell is a dude. Like yeah, uh, Amari Huggins-Bruce, we know, is, is, is a potential game-breaker. Uh, when Maurice Turner gets back, he maybe is the fastest guy on the team. Isaac Garendo, we've seen what he can do. If you just get the ball to these guys in space and let them make plays, like we're going to be fine. And that's what we did in the second half against Georgia Tech. So, yeah, maybe if a team is bringing more heat, and we're going to see certainly more blitzes from Indiana, and he's forced to just you know, check down, hit these quick hitters, or, or throw the ball in the flats – Maybe it'll actually help him calm down, and, and it'll help the offense move the ball a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I just hope they work on him being a little more decisive. Um, I mean, that first game, I just I keep having in my head, he had happy feet back there a little bit whenever he did get a little bit of a pressure um, and, you know, wasn't absolutely, de- you know, decisive on where to go to the ball. So just, you know, go through your reads, be confident, you know, fire it to where you need to. But um, I would prefer not – for him not to be pressured to be honest um but we'll see i mean it's two games he's two and oh like i said it's easy to kind of nitpick every single throw but he's he's been fine so far but i think as we get into the teeth of our schedule we'll we'll find out a little bit more about him bmo says and here we go we, we knew we weren't going to avoid basketball questions uh bmo says uh basically is there a realistic outcome where basketball fans are excited to have Kenny Payne back in 2024. He says, obviously getting in the tournament would, but that doesn't seem realistic. Yeah. I mean, play hard, uh, look competent. Um, and then I don't know. I, I, I just think play hard. I mean, geez, we're not asking, you know, right now, I think we know what it is. All right. Um, are we going to make the tournament this year? Probably not. Um, and that's just kind of unfortunate where we're at right now. But I think if you play hard, you play competent, maybe steal a win or two that you're not supposed to, um, you know, you have a shot of getting the fan base back in your good graces. Uh, I just think last year, from an on the court standpoint, it was such a disaster that, it, you know, it, it feels like he the team lost most of the fan base. So they're going to have to earn their trust back with just kind of uh, the style they play. And, um, you know, our fans aren't dumb. We know what good basketball is. So I think that's what we want to see. Yeah. If, if they look markedly better and we have a season like, like the David Padgett year in 2018, where we win 2020, 20, you know, 22, 23 games, but miss the NCAA tournament. I think fans would be okay with that. And there would be some excitement for, for Kenny Payne in year three. The issue right now, and I'm not, I'm not telling you anything that you probably don't already know if you're listening to this podcast. Like 2024 recruiting is not going well. Um, yeah, we're, we're not. We have one commit. It's T.J. Robinson, who again I do think is going to be a good college player, but he's still he's like number 123 in the consensus rankings. 
all these kids that we've been recruiting, these five-star, four-star kids that we're, you know, we thought we were high on a year ago are trimming their list down and they're not including us. Jalen Shelley, a guy that we were very big on who visited here in March, uh, he just committed to Arkansas. I mean, <laughs> how many guys have we lost to Arkansas in the last yeah. year and a half? Um, so it's going to be – and we have a coach who openly has said multiple times this offseason that he'd prefer – to do things what he said the right way with traditional recruiting and developing guys and not using the transfer portal as much as some other programs. Well, I mean, if we're not killing it in the 2024 recruiting class, you've got no choice but to go out there and kill it in the transfer portal. And we haven't exactly been great with that through two years uh, of that. So it's to get it's, the program back on track. This team's going to have to overachieve for sure. Like 100%. No question about it. Like that is the one way to get the program back on track, you know, no matter what, they're going to have to overachieve everybody's expectations. If they play just to expectations or under expectations, then, you know, things are completely off the rails. But if you want to get the program back to where it was, you're going to have to play over your head this season. There's no question in my mind. And look, overachieving for this team will be having a very down year by Louisville's historical standards. Right. This is going to be another preseason. I'm not spoiling anything for you, but where Louisville's picked to finish like 12th or 13th in the ACC, nobody's going to have them in their preseason bracketology. Nobody's going to have them in their preseason top 40 rankings. Nobody thinks this Louisville team is going to be good. So if they can go out there and win 20 games or more and at least flirt with the NCAA tournament, that will be a dramatic overachievement for the squad. And I think you know then we'll see how people react to that. I think it'd be nice to have some studs waiting in the wings in the, in the 24 class, but uh, if that's not going to happen, it's going to have to be another transfer portal year. Um, all right. Wing depth says based on the single play that we saw Joey Gatewood make at tight end, who do you think should get the majority of snaps at that spot? It's a, it's a legit question because Gatewood, he showed the dynamic playmaking ability that we've been looking for from a tight end. Like Josh Lifskin, uh, Lifson and Nate Kariski have played the most snaps. They have not caught a pass either one of them, and they they haven't factored in the passing game at all. And you know you can take Pro Football Focus's grading numbers for what they are, but they've been our two worst graded offensive players so far this season. I think with Gatewood and Jamari Johnson got a lot of snaps as well. The freshman, their upside is certainly higher. They probably don't know the offense, and they don't know right. blocking schemes as well as the two guys that have been tight ends throughout their college careers. But I can see this being a situation where, just based on what we saw from Gatewood on that one play, which was, I mean, that was the play of the game. Yeah. I, I, I can see him, as the season goes on, and he gets more comfortable, and he understands what he's supposed to be doing on you know, traditional plays, not just passing plays, where he starts getting out there more and more, and they start looking to him a little bit more. And if that happens, it could be a huge asset for this offense. No doubt. It, it just seems like the staff is kind of bringing Gatewood along somewhat. I mean, I don't think they're bringing him along slowly, but I think right now um, with him and Jamari probably not knowing the ins and out of the schemes and, like you said, where you're supposed to be on the field and the checks and stuff like that, I think time will, you know, that'll come with time. But right now, I think he probably is just looking for someone that you can plug in and they, you know, they know where they're supposed to be. Um, but I think once, you know, Gatewood and possibly Jamari get comfortable in those roles, obviously, um, I think talent is going to win out there. And yeah, that was uh, that was very pleasant to see. I, I hope maybe by game four and five, um, we, we start to see that a little bit more on the regular because um, we could use a playmaker there for sure. Uh, Brian says no Louisville live. Uh, 
Are we more relieved or bummed by this? Also, Nolan Smith looking looking to jump ship. It feels more and more like this is going to be the last year. That's a combination of two tweets there. Um, the no Louisville Live thing, I mean, I get it. I'm, I'm kind of bummed because it was a successful event for us for the first three years. Last year, it was kind of a clusterfuck. Uh, and it, it didn't lead to us getting any big time recruits for the first time. But the, you know, the, the one at Churchill Downs I thought was great, and in most years it, it resulted in us getting a big time commitment from one of the players who was in attendance. And it just feels like we're kind of quitting. Like, like, like we're not we're not going to do one because we feel like not enough people are show up, or it's not going to be enthusiastic, or we can't get enough recruits there. And that I feel like is indicative of much larger pro- problems within the program. So. That's not cool. The Nolan Smith thing, you know, it is what it is. I, I think he he interviewed for a job. He didn't get it. Went to the LSU guy that that also interviewed. Um, people can people can draw their own opinions from that. I, I, I've said enough about it on the radio show. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think you, I, I'm more I'm okay with not doing the Louisville Live. I just there's not enough momentum in the program right now to where I think that would be a good showing. You know on not only from I have no idea from like a fan standpoint who would show up. I'm I'm sure there would be some fans there. I mean, we have very loyal basketball fans, some of the best. Um, so for that reason alone, I think we would you know we would draw somewhat of a crowd. But there, it's just I I, I think the staff probably was like you know, hey, the program is where it is right now. Let's kind of just focus on basketball first. Uh, but like you said, it sucks because we 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 did have. Um, a couple of nice moments there at Louisville Live in the past three years and did have some success. So that part sucks. And then, I mean, the Nolan Smith, I don't know. It's just one of those things that it's it's kind of just been rocky from the time he got here. Um, and you're wondering why we're not getting 2024 recruits. I don't, I don't, you know, begrudge a guy for trying to put himself in a better spot for his own career. Like, that's totally fine, but... From an optics standpoint, you know, you got your supposed top recruiter, you know, looking at G League jobs. Like, of course, it's going to be hard to recruit in the 24-25 class um, when when that's the stuff that's floating around. So uh, it's tough. I'm, you know, just like everyone curious how this year is going to go. I, I, you know, this the staff uh, I don't know how stable this is going to be after this year. I think it all comes down to what happens on the court, but um, certainly the optics aren't great right now. I think the Nolan thing had to do more with Trenton Flowers and Tyler Johnson. Uh, you know, Trenton Flowers leaving, and then Tyler Johnson, who is he's here, he's practicing, he, he's not eligible, and U of L is appealing. I think maybe <laughs> maybe some people were upset with uh, with Trenton Flowers and Tyler Johnson and, and not being able to play this year uh, and were upset with Nolan, kind of viewing him, and maybe Nolan was upset that people were upset with him. And maybe that's what led to um, him wanting that story out there and, and it getting out there, which I, I said it a million times on the radio show. The only thing that I'm willing to say definitively is that story does not get out if Nolan Smith does not want that story to get out. Um, and that's, that's all I'll say about that. Um, Kevin Skagg says, oh, my God. <laughs> If you had the choice between having to watch your parents do the deed every day for the rest of your life or joining in one time to make it stop, which would you choose? That's the worst question we've ever gotten on this podcast. I 
refuse to answer this question. I mean, I'll answer. I'm not joining in on a sex act yeah. with my parents. I, I will. Yeah. I will watch them for the rest of my life. That is horrifying. Let the boy watch. <laughs> let, the, let the boy watch. Um, before we uh, before we move on to Indiana, we, we did get a Reds question. The requisite Reds question: uh, Are they going to do it? Are they going to make the playoffs? I feel better about it after last night. I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday morning. They got a big extra innings win over the Tigers. Every team that they are in contention with also lost. So we're sitting just a game out of the, the last wild card spot with, I believe, 16 games to play. A light schedule. We got a bunch of dudes hurt. Dudes have COVID. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Graham Ashcraft. We got guys that are injured that are playing. This whole team is being held together with duct tape. But my God, they're still fighting, Dan. You know that scene in Vegas Vacation when. Uh... Clark is like at Hoover Dam and he like puts gum over like the water spout and then the water keeps coming out like different holes and he keeps like putting like a thousand pieces of gum and water just keeps that's basically what this Reds team is we're just literally patching things up yep every single day um but god and David Bell drives me insane sometimes but if he somehow gets this team to the playoffs like I don't know how you can do anything but applaud him um with with what's going on the last two months so I think it's nice to have Jonathan India back. Uh, He just, I don't know, the team just feels more stable when he's in there. Um, So, yeah, I'm very nervous, I'll tell you that. I am very nervous. High anxiety there, Uh, you know. But uh, let's try to get a win against uh, Detroit tonight. I think we're going up against, uh, is it Rodriguez, the lefty? I think he's pretty good, so we're going to have our work cut out for us. Yeah, we're throwing Connor Phillips, who you know, big future, but a yeah. young. I mean, we're throwing we're throwing double A AA and triple A guys in the like, most in, a, in the middle of a playoff race in September. It's fucking insane. It is, uh, but that's what that we got to do. All right, let's talk about Indiana cards taking on the Hoosiers on Saturday at noon. Big Ten Network has the coverage. We found out this week, Dan, that this is going to be the only game of what was supposed to be a three year contract between these these two programs, uh, Indiana. Wanted out of all three back a, a few months ago. We were like, well, I mean, we're, we're playing you in four months. What the fuck do you want us to do? We're not going to do that. But we knew that they were going to definitely get out of the 2025 game that was supposed to be in Bloomington. We found out this week uh, via the Indianapolis Star that they are buying out of the 2024 game as well. That means $2 million are going to us, but we will have two open slots on the, the schedule, the non-conference schedule for the next two seasons. Uh, what do we make of this? Are IU a bunch of cowards? Is this a smart move on their part? Does this make us hate them more? How do we feel here? I'm going to say all three. Um, okay. I, I think they're they're cowards. It makes me hate them more. But it's probably smart on their end to do this. Um, you know, I, I, just with kind of where their football program is at and where it looks like ours is heading, um, I think they probably saw the writing on the wall. They've had some past history not so well against Jeff Brom. So um, I think they're like, you know what? We're going to cut our losses here. Um, I, God, I hate IU. I, I really do. Like, I, they they bug me in basketball. Uh, you know, I didn't really have a reason to hate their football program, and now I do. So I'm looking forward to Saturday. Um, I've been in one fight my whole life. I didn't even get to throw a punch, <laughs> and I got punched in the face by some kid from IU. So uh, it was on a cruise boat. So, yeah, this game's for me, okay? <laughs> this game is for me. Hashtag uh, do it for Dan. Do it for me. I mean, I really got rocked. Um, but anyways. Were you trying to, like, break the fight up, too? You're, I like, was. you're like, hey, guys, hey, guys. And some dude just decked you. He's like, he's like, let it fucking be. 
yeah, let it be, motherfucker. <laughs> absolutely rock me in the face. So, um, yeah. Anyways, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I haven't forgotten it. Uh, but it's where you met your wife. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. What? It, yeah, it is. It's the night I met my wife. So, um, <laughs> yeah. What if they like run out with a flag on Saturday, like like UML does? It's like this is for Dan, like on the flag. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Now I got a reason to hate the football team. Fuck you, Tom Allen. Hashtag win for Dan. Do it for yeah. Dan. Um, I. I mean, I, the, the whole getting out of the game thing. It does seem. I guess I get it. Apparently, they never wanted to play the game in the first place, but they had to do it because of the Big Ten scheduling standards. And now those standards have been uh, changed with the additions of the with, with the expansion. They're going to schedule an FCS team. They, they want to get closer to six wins. I, I mean, I, it just it's it's weird that these two programs that are so close, that are, are Power Five programs that are bordering each other, have only played twice ever. We played them in 1985 and 1986. Indiana won both games. And it does kind of make me emphasize this game more than I was because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be winless against Indiana forever. And, and if we don't, you know, if we're not going to play them in the next two years, it's probably going to be a few more decades till we play them again, unless we get matched up in a bowl game or something. So obviously I wanted to win this game ahead of time. Now I want to win it even more. Jeff Brom has owned these guys since he's been a head coach, was four and one against them at Purdue, always put up solid numbers against them on offense. I'm sure that they're, that's going to make them even more fired up, but you know, let's get the job fucking done this weekend. Indiana, you know, they played a closer than expected game against Ohio State. They couldn't get any offense going, but they did hold the Buckeyes to 23 points in a 23 to three loss. They bounced back last Friday against Indiana State. Uh, they won 41 to seven. I actually watched a little bit of that game. They named Taven Jackson their starting quarterback. He had been splitting time through the first two games with Brennan Sorsby, who's more of a running quarterback. Jackson can move a little bit, but he's he's clearly the much much better thrower. Uh, and he, you know, the, the offense looked good with him against Indiana State on Friday. It looked terrible when Sorsby came in. So there's no more splitting time. He's starting against us on on Saturday. That does give me a little bit of pause. Uh, you know, he looked good throwing the ball against Indiana State. Our secondary is a little bit dinged up. We don't know what Josh Minkin's status is for this game. Uh, but I, I, I'm with you in thinking this is going to be, you know, the spread's 9 or 10, depending on where you look. I think it's going to be a knockdown, drag-out thing. I think there's going to be some tense moments uh, in the fourth quarter. I had this as a close game before the season. I've seen nothing to really think that it's not going to be a close game. I hope it's not. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be our first, like, real just tense, tense fourth quarter. I know Georgia Tech was tight, but we had, you know, we kind of busted the thing open late. Um, I think this is going to be a tight one, Dan. No, so do I. And I, I hope our fan base kind of understands that. I mean, you know, are they a top tier Big Ten team? No, but, you know, it's just, I don't want to say it's a rivalry game, but it's a, you know, teams to close proximities. It's a neutral site game. Um, coaches that are familiar with each other, uh, familiar with each other's styles. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I, I expect uh, it to be kind of a grind on Saturday. And then hopefully, you know, we, we were able to pull away late. But I'm, I'm interested. I, I think this game is going to be one in the trenches. Um, I, I really hope that we're able to kind of establish the run. I think if we can, um, we should be fine there. But if, you know, if, if, if they go out all out and stop the run and, and make Jack beat us with his arm, um, I, you know, that'll be inter- interesting to see kind of how, how he responds there. Yeah, I feel like this needs to be a game where we – 
Jawar Jordan needs more than seven carries for the yes. first time this season. Let's let's you know let's let's rest on him. Let's ride him a little bit. Let's make this happen. All right, before we make our predictions, do you have a day in the dumps for this week? <sighs> yeah, I'm I'm running dry this week. Not, I mean, we just had a blast, and I had nothing bad happen to me besides my. Uh, I mean, you know, my, our friend, Jim, he, he, he probably lost more balls than I took swings. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, shout out my friend, Jim. I got a text from our buddy Weber who played with him in the second round and it was about hole eight. And all it said was, I think it's time for Jim to go back to Louisville, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, no shout out Jim. He was awesome to hang out with. Um, but yeah, it was a shame that we didn't win our, uh, our golf. I'm still a little bitter about it. Were you close? I, I still haven't gotten many details. Uh, no, we, we we got third on the team, or at third out of three teams. It was kind of weird the way we did it because we had 15 guys. So, um, yeah, we got zero points the whole first session. So put us behind the eight ball. So, uh, yeah, team BW3s did, uh, did not fare so well. But we kind of bounced back at the end and put up a, a little bit of a fight. All right, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. All right, let's make some predictions. Again, Louisville-Indiana State, noon kickoff at Lucas Oil Stadium. Hopefully the, the contention of Cardinal fans going up there uh, is going to be strong. Uh, also, uh, before we do the, the predictions, shout out Louisville Volleyball, number two in the country. They play Kentucky tonight. Uh, go to the game at the KFCM Center if you can. Uh, and they play Sunday against Stanford. Both those games will be on national TV. And UofL Men's Soccer, looking like they're back to being national title contenders, number five in the country right now. They just played uh, Syracuse to a 2-2 draw, the reigning national champs, and thumped Kentucky last week 4-2. So shout out. we got to mention the other programs, too. We're killing it. We have four top five programs right now, Dan. Oh, it's been a great fall season. It's uh, all happening. Shout out Josh Hurd in the athletic department. Things, and, are, uh, things are going well. And UofL Field Hockey. We love you as well. Another top five team. All right. Uh, noon, Saturday, IU in Indianapolis. Who wins? What's the score? All right, I said before the season, IU, I'm changing it. I've seen enough. We're going to get Jamari the ball. Jawar's going to do well. Um, I say we win 27-24 um, in, in kind of a close nip-and-tuck game at Lucas Oil. I'm also going with a an ugly three-point game in the 20s. I'm sticking with my original prediction before the season. I'm going Louisville 23, Indiana 20. I think it'll be a game where you know, there are a few games in every season where it's like, just win it. Just find a way to win it. I think that's going to be this game. There'll be some things to work on, obviously, coming out of it. But let's get the victory. We move on to a Boston College team that has not looked great so far this season. And then we'll have the big games against NC State on the road and then Notre Dame. Just get the job done. Come back with a W. That's all we ask for. I love how we're saying that. And like We'll be on the pod next week like, oh, it's, I don't like the way that they played. Just get the win. I promise right. we're going to be okay. Let's, let's make it happen. All right. Uh, bet safe travels to everybody who is going to Indianapolis, whether it's on Friday or Saturday. Make sure you bring the win home. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a nice rating. Leave us a review. We'll read your reviews on the next episode. I promise. I said that last week. I know. I have not looked again. But do that. It'll keep you updated on when the next episode of the CC Podcast is out. We love you. Go Cards. Beat IU. Let's get it done. Go Cards, baby.